So, um, hello, Jerry. Um, everyone, welcome to another episode of Love in Your Life podcast. Today, we have a guest who, um, as is tradition with this show, is going. I'm going to be asking her a few just basic questions about how she came to do the work that she's doing. Um, today, she is an executive coach, and there must have been a story behind this. So, I guess, welcome, Jerry. Thank you, Tola. And Jerry, my very first question where I'd like to begin is, as I always do, to ask people when they were back in high school, if we can remember back that far, I know, but um, if, you, if you can get yourself back in that high school um, picture, uh, did you go to public or private high school? Public. Public. And did you have a large number of people? It was a very small high school. Okay, perfect. Uh, yeah. Uh, how did you experience uh, your uh, career guidance counseling? Why don't you speak to us a little bit about that? Well, um, I remember being in the advanced English classes, and uh, I was always pretty competitive. And mm -hmm. while it wasn't in my family budget to go to college, and I, I uh, didn't think I had some opportunities to advance my education, I. Uh, I felt that all my friends were going to college, everyone I hung out with, and I thought, well, if I did go to college, what would I study? And I thought, well, I'd study whatever they're studying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and so I really didn't have a lot of guidance, uh, actually, except that, uh, you know, I knew I wanted to go to college, and I did always go to college at night, and uh, I was always a lifelong a lifelong learner, and I still am. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, to tell you the truth, uh, at, at, in the 60s, when I went to high school, it was about being a teacher mm -hmm. or a nurse. secretary yeah. or a nurse or a wife, actually. Exactly. A lot of people got out of high school and got married, and I was one of them. Oh, my God. <laughs> I got married. Oh, my God. So you got married young, then. I got married, but I also had a very high work ethic and yeah. uh, always worked. I always, always had, worked. Uh, I, I always had uh, careers, uh, and I say that because even when I was working as a secretary, I was always uh, in, in, in uh, positions that offered some advancement. Mm, and being, okay. uh, an extrovert and a people pleaser, mm. competitive and curious and ambitious. I always, I never had a stale career. So I went from uh, being a legal secretary to a medical secretary mm. to a secretary in journalism to uh, being a, a, a uh, executive secretary. None of which I was qualified for, but I learned on the job. Right. I was eager to do good work and to produce um, outstanding results out of my competitiveness and my need for uh, accuracy. So I always had uh, opportunities to advance my career, make more money, get better, more responsibilities. So I actually got into my present role, um, not present, present, but my, my career has been in human resources. And mm -hmm. in those days, it was called personnel. Yes. <laughs> so I worked in a manufacturing organization as an executive secretary for a man by the name of Dr. Norman Zweibel. He was a chemical engineer. 
and he received $5 million from the Republic Corporation, which was a conglomerate in California, to build a plastics manufacturing company. Wow. So as his executive secretary, I hired 300 people, uh, built a, helped them build a plant, do a startup, did the payroll, did facilities, did safety training. And then when he was going to hire a man to replace me, I gave him an alternative. How could you hire a man when I've done everything? And I have to train that man. Oh, my God. He said, okay, okay, I'll give you a try at it. And that's how really I got my foot in the door of management and especially, particularly uh, human resource management. Interesting. You know what's interesting too, Jerry, as you've confirmed, as we've been talking on this show for 29, this is the 30th episode, um, and we've been talking about the, the lack of guidance back when we were young, and now today it's no better. You know, lack of career guidance at the high school level to really look at the individual and assess them or help them assess themselves and provide a greater um, uh, uh, possibility for people to be successful and happy because they're doing what they were meant to do, what their skill set is, what their interests are, what their talents, you know, where their talents reside so that they could possibly go to college or, you know, today most kids do think they have to go to college, but back then we were given opportunities to, you know, excel without uh, an actual four-year degree. Um, and you were an initiator. So you didn't, you know, you were self-motivated. So that's why you succeeded. But a lot of people fell through the cracks because they were not self-motivated and they would have benefited from a good career guidance um, system. Well, let me say that um, if I'd had like an assessment mm -hmm. of my skills mm -hmm. or what I wasn't really good at, I think I would have been better guided to uh, know how to capitalize on strengths that would have been mirrored back to me by an assessment. Yeah. And I probably could have, uh, you know, uh, spent less money on courses I didn't need mm -hmm. and wasn't very good at because when I wound up finishing my degree at Syracuse University, I was in the business program. Mm -hmm. And while I was in a business environment, my better talents were in creativity, in the social studies, human relations, dynamics, hmm. emotional intelligence. So I would urge anyone who has an opportunity to uh, participate in assessments that mirror back a person's interests, mm -hmm. uh, they will be better guided for it. That's very, yeah, that's very, very true. And I'm just curious, Jerry, how um, far into your career were you when you mentioned all those, gosh, you had a lot of jobs and a lot of um, promotional opportunities that you took advantage of. Yep. And you, you insisted on being recognized, you know, some people yep. like to fall through the cracks. But how far were you into that career before you completed your... Oh, Mary, I was, I can tell you exactly. <laughs> it was uh, 1970. Oh my gosh. Okay. And I was 25 years old. So now you know I'm mature sure. and sure. still working and vibrant. And I don't look my age and I don't normally talk about my age. Nonetheless. Obviously not. Right, right. But 25 years old when you got your degree. And by that time, you had had so many work experiences. I had a lot of secretarial experience behind me. And, uh, and because I'm curious and competitive yeah. and uh, ambitious and I'm a people pleaser. 
Yeah. Uh, people were very patient with me to uh, get what I needed to get and do it well. And I, exe I excelled. And so I was 25 when I said to my president of this big company now, yeah. uh, it's either I get the job or I leave. And now that took a lot of gumption. Sure. <laughs> but you know what? Uh, it was all true. Yeah. And he knew it. And I knew it. So, you know, at the time he tried me out. And uh, needless to say, I explored. And this is really good for people to know. If you get into a role that you're not, you've done the work, but you hadn't had the benefit of formal training, mm -hmm. uh, it's great to network because I went to every organization in Orange County, Middletown, New York, that was a large and growing company, I said, teach me the ropes of personnel. And that's what it was called then. Yeah. And I learned everything. And people are very giving and kind and want to share. So mm -hmm. I learned. I learned on the job. I learned. I was building the bridge as I was walking on it. That is incredible. You know, uh, we, we do talk about that. Yeah, I'm sorry, please. No, no, no. That's okay. We do talk about that. The networking is so critical, also critically important, but it's easier for extroverts. I'm sorry. It's easier for extroverts. And when yeah. you, you yeah. know what I'm saying? So, yeah. so to network and be that um, assertive and ask for help and say, teach me this and say, I want to do and stand up for yourself and have that emotional intelligence that allows you to be self-expressed. All that stuff is so much easier when you're extroverted, right? You're absolutely right. I would encourage any introverts to, um, you know, take public speaking, take uh, uh, how to win friends and influence people or Toastmasters, get out there because networking and being seen and managing your career and your your professional reputation is as critical as, if not more, than your actual subject matter expertise that you're, 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 you excel at. Yes. Oh my gosh, it's so true. So you, you don't have that bad feeling about the high school uh, lack of guidance, really. You just took it upon yourself to just kind of, you know, do what you had to do to get where you had to get. I did what I had to do. And fortunately, uh, people very kind and sharing of what they knew to me because I was open to learn. And I think that's another aspect for your listeners. Mm -hmm. to, you know, be open to what you don't know and access your ignorance because we're always, we can always learn something even if it's in our area of expertise. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, I was a so sponge. I listened, yeah. listened, listened, listened. And then, you know, I was carried by good instincts and, and a good mind to, you know, apply what I knew in, in, in an appropriate setting. Definitely. Did you get your degree in human resources, Jerry? I got my degree in liberal studies, and then I did graduate work in creative studies. So being a pretty creative person, um, you know, I'm, I'm mindful that uh, staying close to facts and details and being well-organized helps. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so I got my degree in, uh, from Syracuse in um, liberal studies. It was one of the most thrilling um, experiences I had, and I still love being in school. I still uh, I do too. <laughs> participate in uh, training or development opportunities that are going to enhance my own uh, expertise and knowledge in the field that I am, which is, of course, uh, executive and leadership coaching. Yes. So how did you arrive there? And how many years have you been doing that work? 
Well, since, 19, since 2001, mm -hmm. I started my own business. And when I was working as a leader in human resources at Ingram Micro, where I led the HR team mm -hmm. to uh, great heights and great growth, uh, the company invested in me and um, they provided coaches and they also, and as an HR executive, I was able to um, learn how to be a feedback facilitator mm -hmm. because as I said, invested in the development of their leadership team and their talent. So mm -hmm. as a feedback facilitator using um, a coaching model that I'm still very fond of the Marshall Goldsmith coaching model, mm -hmm. thought leader, one of the top 50 thought leaders and one of the, top preeminent executive coaches in the world. And I did learn his methodology, which is quite simple and um, not uncomplicated, but simple to utilize okay. as an internal leader and a feedback facilitator. I learned how to talk to executives who had participated in assessments, how to read the assessments and how to capitalize on their strengths and how to, pay attention to areas that could help them improve significantly by looking at some areas that they needed to be better at but weren't quite there. So also as a guide, internal guide, uh, and an, as a resource internally, I learned I had a gift for people uh, who came to me. They would, I would, um, seek, they would seek advice, and my judgment tended to be right on. Mm -hmm. I tried to be, uh, you know, managers do do things right and they want to be efficient and leaders want to do the right thing and be effective. Now, when you're a leader, you have to take a lot of risks and stand up to perhaps unpopular, you know, matters. Obviously, yes. And uh, so having no problem at all with confronting any kind of social injustice. <laughs> yes. I quickly uh, uh, gained a reputation of having good judgment and, you know, go see Jerry. She'll probably guide you in a way that satisfies the employee's interest and the company's interest. And uh, so it all worked out. So when I transitioned into my own business, I knew that I wanted to continue to uh, build my experience working with leaders to optimize their effectiveness and their influence in organizations. Because it, and I use the emotional intelligence model a lot to uh, guide um, the process for people to develop their self-awareness because as people develop their self-awareness they can self-manage better they can lead more effectively yeah. they can um, get people engaged to uh, share common goals mm -hmm. and I that's what I do and I and I and it's just that I don't work with only persons who are you know really lacking I work with very very successful people who want to be even more successful and effective in their roles Oh, that must be great. That must be yeah. great fun. I mean, and, and to achieve, yeah, and to achieve a level of satisfaction with them when they have, when they enact the, the action plan that I'm sure you, you jointly come up with, right? It's an action plan that is really based on transformation. Uh -huh. um, uh, not, it's not transactional, do this, do this. It's how they show up, how they use their yeah. communication skills, their body language, their tone. And it's when you're leading, it's not about telling anymore. It's about ask, meeting people where they're at, finding out what motivates them, getting them engaged. Really gives up. You have to really examine your ego and say, am I doing this because I want them to do it? Or am I 
doing this because I can help them do it because it's the right thing to do for the company. Yeah, it's that servant leadership uh, yep. quality. Yeah, definitely, Jerry. You and I have a lot of um, common experiences with emotional intelligence. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, Jerry, as you look back, what, is there anything that you've done? It sounds like you've had a very exciting career already. Um, you know, the trajectory sounds, every bit of it sounds exciting, to be honest, but um, is there anything that you would have changed or you, you know, sort of wish you had gotten to sooner or anything like that? I probably, I probably would have wanted to listen 90% more than I talk. Mm, okay. Because when you're smart, you know, you like to understand your smartness. Mm -hmm. Sometimes being right isn't always being relational. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I try to teach that to my clients. Like, yeah, you're right. And how do you uh, garner engagement and credibility? And uh, how do you get people to, how are you, you want to be right or relational? Right. And relational people will be more loyal. People need to feel that they're totally heard completely heard and it still takes a, a lot of discipline to hold still and listen 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 um, get rid of the stories get rid of the judgments in your head and be totally open to your ignorance and uh, meet people where they're at because everyone is a marvelous story yeah. you know, everyone has something wonderful about them to say and their uniqueness and I think uh, you know when I was younger I liked to grandstand what I knew and now that I've been doing this for so long, I discipline myself to listen, 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 don't make judgments, be mindful of any stories, and really be supportive of my clients to where they are and where their bosses need them to be. Yes. Where I need, and where they want to be. Yes. Wow. Sometimes, you know, sometimes um, I always go in a company and I look for their values because mm -hmm. values guide behaviors and decisions. And so, uh, you know, I try to get my clients to articulate their values and to see how much they are aligning with the organization's values. Because yeah. sometimes there are gaps which can create, you know, personal conflict. Sure. <laughs> uh, you know, aligning one's values with the organization's values makes it exciting. It makes it very, uh, uh, you have a, pro a moment of pride mm -hmm. and uh know they're connected to something larger than themselves when they have values guiding the organization's culture yes well you're doing such a service to help some of these leaders develop and grow in the right you know manner so that not only the company can prosper but the people can feel like you said engaged and worth you know valued um you know uh they feel the sense of um uh, of you know value and and I think like you say so rightly that's what people need to, to want you know need to feel they need to feel valued and listened to and um, and I think that's so important Jerry I mean you could do this work forever <laughs> there's not enough Jerry's in the world as far as I'm concerned but you've been doing this work okay so on your own since 2001 so 18 years um, and you kind of evolved into it because you were doing it anyway before that. There's a difference between being a formal and an internal coach okay. and being an informal and external coach. When you're internal, you have authority, you have responsibility. Uh, 
<coughs> Excuse me. You know, it's different, and people will listen if you're respected and you have credibility. Mm -hmm, for sure. Externally, you have to build that and build that and build that through your behaviors because you have absolutely no authority and no formal authority. For sure. Excuse me again. Yeah. <coughs> and uh, you have to learn how to build that with a person. Mm -hmm. And it's not about swaying them to be where, what I know, it's about encouraging them to learn what they need to learn align their values uh, and their uh, objectives within the organization the larger picture of the organization mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so so in, in in summary jerry you really have no regrets i mean your your entire career has been you couldn't have improved upon it other than you, as you inferred something to do, to do with more listening and less speaking and that's the only uh, well, I do pride myself on being a good listener. Yeah, you are. Well, listening and uh, um, I don't know, maybe more fun. I, you know, I just worked, 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 and I went to school, school, school. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, when my friends were hippies, I was a yuppie, and you know, <laughs> my friends were at uh, Woodstock. And I was going to, you know, uh, courses on, in engineering and safety for, and manufacturing. <laughs> But, so and I still, I still wish I could, you know, separate out my work life to more fun. But my work life is fun for me. I get a great deal of satisfaction when I see my clients have ahas and yeah. I want to. But they lead more authentic, with more authenticity, with more grace, more self confidence. Right. Um, and it does, it does uh, improve team leadership performance. Um, you know, it, it really. Uh, it really sharpens a, a leader's self-awareness enough that they can suboptimize everything they know and really encourage others to be the best leaders that they can be. Right. Mm -hmm. And as far as you um, utilizing or exercising that creativity about you, I imagine you do get an opportunity in your job just because each individual is so unique. That you, right? You have to create a plan for their unique uh you know experiences their unique um development well it's interesting you say that i don't have plans i leave them behind and uh, they create the plan okay they own it and then they uh, i can help support them achieve what they want to achieve okay like, so so do, so do you do your so do you address your creativity in a social manner more i mean are you able to do something with that on a you know vocational basis well, yeah, I'm on boards of directors, and uh, I have a lot of friends that call me up and ask for my judgment. I think I think I can provide creative solutions out of the box that support two parties to come to agreement around the right thing for you know that's mutually satisfactory. I think my I'm strategically creative to get people to see that. Uh, beyond them, their, themselves to do the right thing, to lead, uh, to lead with heart and heart because it just makes sense. It's more engaging. It, it's better performance, um, you know, from the people. People more open. They'll tell you their complaints. You know, you want your employees to come to you, not a lawyer, if they have something serious to say. Right. So I use my creativity in strategizing behaviors uh that will support them and support the organization 
Mm-hmm. See, you know what, Donna, let me just say this. A lot of people, are they really get everything. Mm-hmm. They just are not getting the support they need to be vocal about it and to feel it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, because everyone's yeah. always challenging them or interrupting them like I just did with you. <laughs> no, you know, Jerry, it's such a good place to really come to close here, though, because you, you mentioned the word heart. And this particular podcast is devoted to living with love, both personally and professionally. I always say that at the end of it. And I think that that's, um, you know, I believe and I know you do, too. And I know, you know, m- much of what you said today uh, concurs with this idea of, you know, living your best self, both personally and professionally and being close to your heart. And also, if you're a leader in a corporation doesn't mean that you leave that heart at the door and come in and you know you're you're a different person because you have to be a boss you can lead with heart lead with emotional intelligence um you know embrace people at that level and but the the productivity i mean emotional intelligence affects what uh, behavior productivity and performance we say right so um, all of those things being what they are you know of course leading by heart um is is the only way i would i would suggest is uh to lead so all this with love is you know love is a scary word sometimes in in business you know it's like what do you mean love you know i'm in a business um but it is it's so true you know um we only make things work when we have um the positive side of emotions uh, involved and not the negative side you know we need to change that we need to those negative things because they are very highly unproductive and we don't want you know we want productivity not you know a lack of productivity and to keep a corporation going in the right direction wouldn't you say jerry i mean and and sometimes you know you have to leading with with heart doesn't mean you can't be tough and straightforward and candid about reality and and people respect that uh you know, it's not the, it's not what is said, it's how we say things. It's how it, how, that's it. That's right there, Jerry. You're absolutely right. It's learning how to convey what you need to convey. It doesn't mean you have to change what you convey. Right. Uh, yeah, so that's beautiful. Jerry, thank you so very much. I knew you'd be so interesting to talk to because I'm trying, you know, this show, like I said, is about living with love. And I know that you do that. I feel that, um, you know, from the moment we connected. And I, I just wanted to know how you got to where you got. But boy, I didn't realize all the initiative it took to do Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Great. <laughs> Good. Well, thank you so much. I so appreciate your, your inviting me and uh, ever I can do for you, Dola, who is also, um, who manifests so much uh, positivity in your work. And you know, I've recommended you to yeah. uh, different uh, organizations. Uh, yeah. Keep doing you. what you're doing. And thank you for inviting me. Thank you, Jerry. And to the rest of you, until next week, everyone, don't forget to live with love in your life, personally and professionally. Until next time, everybody, thank you so much. Thanks, Jerry. You bet. Bye-bye. Bye.